Father, quiet our hearts now, we pray. We thank you for the wonderful times that we've already enjoyed in your presence, hearing uh, how you're working in the lives of our young people and true Terrence and leaders. We just praise you for each one and ask your continued blessing upon them and all of the ministries that are involved with our youth. We think of uh, the trip to Honduras. We ask your blessing, our Father, upon the team. We pray for Camp Bahamas and those who are involved in that ministry there and that much fruit might continue to result from the ministry there. Lord, we pray for those who bereaved as well. We pray for uh, Diana and um, Rachel and Mark and Steve and the rest of the family members, Lord, asking that they might experience your blessing upon them at this time. And for Pastor Arnott and his family, we pray the same, our Father, and for Nancy. We pray that they might feel the strong arm of your embrace in the days ahead. Lord, we thank you that we, as members of the incredible body of Christ, can be assured that you are always with us. You are our great healer, our great physician. Lord, we just thank you that you hear and answer our prayer. We love you today, and we worship you, and we praise you for being the God that you are. Manifest yourself in a special way to us as we open your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you know, we've been talking a little bit about Israel. And we're doing that because of the activities that you are aware of in the Middle East at this time, in Israel, Lebanon, and those areas. And we want to remind you of the unique privilege that believers in Christ have when it comes to world events. We do not only have the opportunity of seeing these events. But because of the word of God and the indwelling Holy Spirit, we also can know the why behind the what. And so we believe that what is going on is very important and vital to us. And sometimes I think we forget the intimate connection we have to the people of God. Israel. Now, I'm quite aware that when I say the people of Israel, I'm not talking about every Israelite, every Jew, because not all are truly the people of God. It's only those who are true children by faith in a, through Abraham and so on. But the remnant is still there. It's like the church of Jesus Christ. Many people profess to be Christians, but not all are. Isn't that right? You see? But we don't throw away everybody, the whole thing, just because some might be false. Right? You see, it's the same thing there. But the same thing happens, by the way. Some of the bad ones who profess to be good do certain things, and the ones who are good, the ones who are genuine, suffer because of it. Right? That's what's happening. That's what's going on in Israel as well. But we believe it's important for us as God's people to obey the command of the scriptures when it says that we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And the scripture says, they shall prosper that love thee. And we're going to take a few moments today and tonight to look at God's dealing with Israel. Let me ask you a question I asked last time. Why has Israel, one of the smallest nations in the world, 
been the major been the major headlines in the world's media for so long. Now, you see, I have their introduction, Sila. And normally I say Sila when, and I finish. But I want you to be thinking about this right now. Because <clears throat> this will help us to get into the atmosphere of what we're talking about. Why this little tiny place? You see, someone's called it a bump on the map of the world. Why is this tiny little nation the center of the world's attention? Think about that for a moment. Why? Why has Israel always been seen as the bad guy for responding to the attack of a much larger enemies while they are seen as the good guy? It's amazing. I was reading on this and I came across an article in the Houston Chronicle blog. So people write in and say all kinds of things. And it's called The Chronicles of War, headed Ground Assault, 10,000 IDF, that's the Jewish army, troops in Lebanon. The date, Wednesday, August the 2nd, 2006. Field, you, you file it under military Israel. It's all here. I've just given you how I got it of the net. It says, quote, Hezbollah is up to its same PR tricks, staging a war, launching over a thousand missiles at civilians and screaming massacre when Israel strikes back in self-defense. The whole thing would be funny if millions of people, including many here, didn't believe it. How stupid or blinded by hatred of Israel do people have to be? To buy this, now he used another word, I said to buy this stuff. He used another word. But he's voicing exactly my concern. It's amazing. Somebody attacks me and my family. And then I try to protect them. And then everybody gets down on me for trying to protect myself rather than the person who attacked me. That's what's been, why is this? Why is Israel always the bad guy even when she's responding to bad things that are being done to her? But again, why is there much confusion, so much confusion and misunderstanding regarding her place in the land of Israel when history is so clear on the, on the matter? It, it, it just amazes me. If you read the history of who this land really belongs to, how, how clear it is. But everybody seems to be so confused. That's an amazing thing to me. Why has a people suffered so much from so many for so long? Why do so many coincidences, coincidences occur when she experiences significant events. It's amazing. In fact, August the 3rd has been a real difficult time for history. Every year through the history, terrible things happen to Israel on that day. And something always, something else always occurs. For instance, when in 19... 
47. The Dead Sea Scrolls were found. Remember that? In 1947, a young Bedouin shepherd searching for a stray goat in Judean desert discovered these parchments that we now call the Dead Sea Scrolls. That was in 1947. Actually, it went through 1948. That was a significant finding for the world. The whole world was focusing on these Dead Sea Scrolls. But do you know what happened also in 1948, right around the same time? Israel was declared to be a state. May 14, 1948, just before the British Mandate of Palestine ended at midnight, Israel was declared to be a state again. A nation, again, reinstated as a nation. While the whole world was focusing on these parchments found in this cave, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Well, here's another article I read. Hezbollah attack, July the 12th, 2006. That's last week, not too long ago. Two Israelite soldiers kidnapped. It was declared an act of war. July the 12, 2006. Do you know what happened? At around the same time that happened? On this date. July the 26. Parchments were found containing Psalm 83. The whole world was focused, that is, people who are interested in things were focused on this find. This was an important find. It was an amazing find. And all places is when it was in Dublin, I think, if we could have that, yeah, ancient psalm book found in Irish bog, Dublin, Ireland, July the 26th. The National Museum of Ireland and Dublin has announced the discovery of fragments from a book of psalms that may be up to 1,200 years. And you know what that psalm is about? About all the enemies around Israel coming to attack. And it names names. I talked about it lads last day. This is the psalm they found. Here's how CNN described it. CNN described it this way. CNN announced this week that a manuscript dating back to 800 to 1000 AD has been discovered in Ireland and it has opened to Psalm 83. This describes a scenario of an end time battle with most, with most of Israel's neighbors. Now, isn't that an amazing thing? The very moment Israel's neighbors are attacking her, the world discovers in a bog, in a, in a mud pile, a parchment, Psalm 83, that's all, describing that event. Now personally, I do not believe this is the exact event, I believe this is a portrayal of one yet to come, but the scenario is still the same. Now, some people call these things coincidence, but I don't, you see. Because my answer to why is Israel always in the 
headlines. Why is Israel always misunderstood? Why is it even when she does something right, she is criticized for it? Why do these coincidences continue to happen when something significant happened to her? My answer is that Israel is unique chosen people of God through whom he is working out his plan to bless the entire earth. In spite of her repeated rebellion against him and the covenants that he made with her. Her pain, including a temporary expulsion from the land he specifically and deliberately gave to them, is the result of this rebellion. In other words, Israel problems and difficulties and the attitudes that are shown towards her is a result of her rebellion against God. God is disciplining his people. I believe this is why these things are happening to her. And politics cannot explain it. Only that which is spiritual, you see. But because of God's repeated promise to deliver Israel throughout the centuries, God says, when you repent, I will deliver you. And he said that I will restore you to your land and I will bless you. And the people of Israel, even those who are not really all believers, have that hope that one day they're going to live in a land in peace. And that's the motivation for them to go through all of these problems, all of these problems, all of these difficulties, because deep within the breast of every Jew, Jerusalem next year, meaning we're going to be free. We're going to live in a land of peace. And so they're going through all of this. My point here is that the misunderstanding relative to Israel is not due to natural causes alone. Like politics and personal biases. Her problems are not due to these things. But I believe that they are due primarily to the spiritual purpose that underlines the existence of this unique nation and people. Which I believe also explains the underlying reason for the blindness to the obvious. Why can't we see the truth about Israel? I believe is because... It has to do with the spiritual insight rather than the natural, rather than the physical. There's something else behind just the physical things that we see going on. And the only people who can really understand what it is is the people of God. Why? Because we have the scriptures and we have the Holy Spirit. Everybody else is going to be confused. We do not have to be because we have the lamp of God's word and the Holy Spirit to guide us in this. Dr. David Reagan, a prophecy teacher, says this. Much has been written about the Middle East crisis from a political perspective. 
but it will never be understood apart from its spiritual roots. For it is from the start to finish a spiritual conflict, which is why it will never be settled politically. And I agree with that. I agree with that statement. It will never be settled politically or militarily. Now, God has used politics. He's used armies in the past to accomplish his purpose. He's doing it today. God is still in control. We who are unaware of what God is doing, and we look at it and we say, what a mess over there. God says to us, go to my word. You will see everything is right online. Exactly how it's being predicted. You see? We need not be confused. We need not be. We as God's people, I say, can know the why behind the what is happening in Israel today. But we need to read the word and study the word of God. And so today and this evening we're going to continue this. We want to give a little overview and then a detailed look at the question Israel whose land is it? Israel whose land is it? Now it's been over 50 years now that Israel was declared a state or a nation again. Yet one controversy still engages the mind of the nations of the world. What is that controversy? The land. Who does it belong to? That's what the fight, the struggle is all about. On the one side of the debate, we have the Arabs. Now, they call them Palestinians. But let's say the Arabs. They claim the land as their birthright. While Israel also lays claim the land as their birthright. The question is, who's right? Who's wrong? That's the fundamental question that demands an answer today. I believe that the scripture gives us the answer. I believe that history gives us the answer. I believe that the law gives us an answer. Those are the three areas. Let me mention them briefly again as to why I believe Israel can be proven to be the owners of the land. First of all, biblically. Now again, I'm speaking to those who believe the Bible to be the word of God. If you don't believe the Bible is the word of God, this is going to sound like nonsense to you. In fact, I read a big article from this, uh, uh, this uh, reporter saying the same thing about people going back to the Bible and we cannot do that. That has no significance. But that's not true from our perspective. Now, if you don't believe that the Bible is the word of God, then what we're going to say here has no meaning to you. It might be all foolishness. But then we're going to show something else as well. But we believe the Bible to be the word of God. And this is what God says in Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Notice now, Israel is not yet a nation. Not yet formed. But God already has a land picked out for them. 
Whenever you think of Israel, whenever you think of Israel as a people, whenever you think of Israel as a land, always remember this. Israel as a people is God's chosen people. Israel as a land is God's chosen land. Okay? And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is the controlling promise that guides everything that Israel is destined to do or experience. It was made over 4,000 years ago to a pagan that God is calling from his pagan land to go to another pagan land that God will turn into his promised land. It's an amazing story as you read it. This is what we call the Abrahamic covenant. This is all unconditional here. The land. It doesn't say if you do this, I will do this. Or if you be faithful, I will do this. No, no. The promises when it comes to the land are all absolute and all unconditional. No matter what Israel does. The land of Israel, which was once Cana, is God's promised land. That's what he's saying. In Genesis 15, God reviews this. He made a pledge to Abraham to give him the land as an everlasting possession. An everlasting possession. He confirmed this pledge to Isaac and Jacob again and again through the Old Testament. Now God did promise Ishmael a blessing as well. But the promise for the land was not made through Ishmael. It was made through Isaac. We're going to talk about that this evening. But what the Quran has done and Muslims have done, all of the blessings that were given to Isaac, they have transferred to Ishmael. You see, they just switch names. That's what has happened here. But a thousand years later, God confirms his everlasting covenant of the land to David's David's. Uh, and his people. This is what he says in Psalm 105. He has remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac. Then he confirmed it as Jacob for a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant saying to you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion of your inheritance I say again from a biblical point of view the Abrahamic covenant established titled the land in the Middle East the land which was once known as Canaan this title belongs to the Jewish people forever no ifs no ands no buts God has given it to the Jewish people forever. But now one of the points we must understand here is this. The use and enjoyment of the land is conditional. The land and their ownership of the land is not conditional. But their enjoyment of the benefits of the land is conditional. God says, when you disobey me, you are going to be disciplined because of it. And the land is going to be a central part of that. How? 
by not being able to share in the blessings of the land as I have promised, you see. This, land, this covenant is called the land covenant. The greatest curse was God promised to put upon his people was their displacement from the land. I want you to get that very clear in your mind. The greatest punishment, discipline, God promised to give to his people was to keep them out of the land. To scatter them from the land if they disobey his commands. That is the major discipline, curse if you want, against his people. The Babylonian captivity, which lasted 70 years, clearly prophesied in Deuteronomy as a result of the rebellion against God. Then the whole, the, the worldwide dispersion began in 70 when Titus 80 came in and they, the Romans scattered the people of God all over the face of the earth. Now in this land covenant, God made it clear that the Jews' enjoyment of the land would depend upon their faithfulness to him. If they were faithful, they would be richly blessed. But if they were unfaithful, they would be a cursed nation in many different ways and scattered throughout the ends of the earth. And so I want you to understand this principle today, to understand why Israel is undergoing such pain and persecution. Here it is. God's gift of the land of Israel to his people was unconditional. The Jews were given an irrevocable eternal title to this land. But the use and enjoyment of the land was conditional upon their obedience. And because they disobeyed again and again, going after false gods, going after uh, uh, gods that he said not to go after, Going contrary to his word, God had to discipline them. They couldn't enjoy the land that God had given them. They couldn't enjoy it. Beloved, listen, the same principle applies today. God has given us all that we need in Jesus Christ. The only thing that prevents our enjoyment of all the blessings we've been blessed with is our disobedience to God. Same principle. And although we have all of the blessings and all of the possessions of Christ, many of God's people are not enjoying them because of disobedience. That's exactly what is happening to Israel. Israel is experiencing the hand of God's discipline because of, dis because of disobedience. That's why they're not enjoying the benefits of the land. That's why there's no peace, because of disobedience. But now let's look at Israel historically. Although the nation has left the land on a number of occasions throughout the past, there's always been a remnant of Jews living. In. There's never been a time, from the time that Joshua led the people of God into Canaan, that Jews were not there. Never a time. The numbers might have been reduced, but the presence of the people of God have always been in Canaan since Joshua led them across the Jordan. Always. Even after 70 AD, 
And that is clearly stated in one of the British Public Affairs Committee's manuals. To make this point that has always been a Jewish presence in the land they now call Palestine. But then was called Israel. But now, historically speaking again, on the other hand, it is also an established historical fact that there has never been an Arab-Palestinian state. Never! You hear about a Palestinian state? You hear about the Palestinian people? That's all made up. There's never been a Palestinian state. Never! The land was called Israel and was only given the name Palestine a hundred years later by the Romans. And they did that because they wanted, they wanted to cause the... The, the, the Jewish people to feel the brunt of Romans' power. They want nothing of God to be attached to the people of Israel. So they changed the name to Palestine. At that time, Palestinians did not only refer to Arabs. It referred to everybody who lived in Israel, who lived in which was once Canaan, not just Arabs. All the inhabitants of that land was called Palestinians, which was formerly called Israel. It was a name imposed by the Roman Empire. In actual fact, a Palestinian state consisting only of Arabs is a historical fallacy. It's an amazing thing that it is so universally accepted as being a fact by those who know better. They have to be blinded. They have to be blinded. Only spiritual blindness could explain this phenomenon where everybody talks about the Palestinian people being put out of their land. It just doesn't make sense. Just doesn't make sense historically. Thirdly, legally, the land was given to the Jews by the law of the nations in, in 1878, following the Russian-Turkish war. By the way, Turkey, as you know, is now our Iran. The Berlin Congress of Nations gave full civil rights to the Jews of Palestine. In 1917, when British forces took Palestine during the World War I, Britain issued the Balfour Declaration, we're going to be talking about tonight, which brought forth the concept of a homeland for the Jews. 1922, the mandate for Palestine was granted to Britain at a meeting of the Allied Supreme Council in San Remo, April the 25th, 1920. All of the legal right to Israel by the people of Israel is clearly stated at these times. In 1947, the UN voted for a partition of the land of Palestine between the Jews and the Arabs. And in 1948, of course, Israel was accepted into full membership of the UN. And the very moment that they declared themselves as a nation, all of the Arab nations got together to attack. They initiated the attack. And ever since... Israel has been defending himself. Every major attack 
Every major war that has happened between the Arabs and Israel since 1948 has been initiated by the Arabs except one. And that's the time that Israel took what they call a pre... Uh, what do they call it? Pre-exempt strike. You, you remember the story. I think they're going to do it again shortly. But anyway, that's the only time. But every time, every war was started by the Arabs. And every time the Jews retaliated, the whole world criticized them and condemned them for attacking. It's amazing, isn't it? It's still happening today. Still happening today. And so I would conclude this, that biblically speaking, historically speaking, and legally speaking, the Jews have an absolute right to exist in the land we call Israel, from Dan to Bathsheba. In fact, that's the very words that were used in the Balfour Declaration. The land belongs to them. And one of the things that Scripture shows is that those who oppose this concept of Israel's right to the land could be in for a lot of trouble. Listen to what God says in Joel 3. Now, this is still yet to come. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, notice, restore, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Then I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of, notice, my people and my inheritance, Israel whom they have scattered among the nations. Notice, they have scattered among the nations and they have divided up what? My land. Get a hold of that. God calls Israel my people. God calls the land my land. So actually what we're trying to decide is who is fighting against the owner? God of the land of Israel. Who is trying to take it from him? That's what it comes down to. You see, we don't see this. We just see Muslims and Jews. We just see them fighting for this piece of territory. But this land belongs to God. My land. To whom does the land belong? Well, let me go through this quickly. Let's look at the biblical answer in some detail. Number one principle. God owns the earth. That's what he says in Psalm 24.1. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. That means new providence too, you know. When I was going through this, it's amazing how this whole thing comes back to me again. That, you know, everything we have is a gift from God. As I was walking over the bridge the other night, I stopped. I was so tired, I had to stop. Uh, and I looked in the breeze. I let the breeze blow on me and I was looking over. It was so beautiful. I just said, thank you, God for giving us this beautiful island. Belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the river. God owns this earth. He is the land owner of every inch of this earth. He is. He calls Israel my people. He calls Israel my land. Listen to Joel. 
For behold, in those days, I just read that one. I'll give you the last one. My inheritance, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have divided up my land. He gives his land to his people via an eternal, irrevocable covenant. Listen to what he says. I will establish my covenant between me and you, speaking to Abraham, and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojourn. Now remember, it belongs to God. He could give it to who he wants. Isn't that right? And he's giving it to Abraham and his seed. To your descendants after you, the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now notice, he affirms this to David a thousand years later in Psalm, 100, in Psalm 89. He says, if David's sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Now notice this. But I will not break my loving kindness from him, nor deal fairly in my faith, falsely in my faithfulness. My covenant I will not violate, nor will I alter the utterance of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. What he's saying is, David, I have given this land to Abraham and his seed, and I don't care what the people do. I don't care what sins they commit. This land will always be theirs are going to be disciplined for this sin and their judgment will always revolve around the enjoyment of the land but David this land will always be my land and your land powerful statements here listen to Psalm 105 he is the Lord our God his judgments are in all the earth he has remembered his covenant forever. The word which he has commanded to a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his son to, uh, and his oath to Isaac. Then he confirmed it to Jacob for a statue to Israel as an everlasting covenant saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion of your inheritance. Now, look at the words in this. Look at the words. His judgments. His covenants. Word. Covenant, oath, statute, everlasting covenant. Every word that could be imagined to give the idea that this land belongs to Israel is given in this verse. God is using every legal word, every aspect of a legal contract to assure the people of Israel that the land of Canaan, now called Israel, is theirs by a gift from God. Israel's sin or sins do not nullify God's land covenant with them. Some people have the idea that that's not Israel anymore. They disobeyed and so God has forgotten everything and so everything God said to his people in the Old Testament is null and void now. That's not true. God is punishing them but his covenant with him stands. Notice what he says. Son of man, when the house of Israel was living in their own land, do you notice that? Their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. 
As a result, I scattered them among the nations and they were dispersed through the lands because of their sin. They couldn't enjoy the land God had given them. 24, I will take you, here's the promise now, I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into what? Your own land. Yes, they're scattered all about, but they're coming back. And we're going to see that, how the coming, how the return of the Jews to the land signals what God is doing in Israel. Listen to Amos chapter 9. I want to read these scriptures so you get the idea of what is God is doing over there in Israel. Also, I will restore the captivity of my people Israel, and they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will also plant vineyards and drink their wine and make gardens and eat their fruit. I will also plant them on their land, their land, and they will not again be rooted out from their land, which I have given them, says the Lord your God. Do you notice this? Listen now. I will plant them on whose land? Their land. And they will not again be rooted out from what? Their land, which I have given them. That's the Lord God Almighty speaking. Can he lie? No. One more point. To see the importance of Israel, not only to God, but to us. And we miss this sometime. This is a startling point here. Israel, I see as a plumb line, or perhaps we can say a cornerstone for all the nations of the world. Now, these are some terms I'm using here myself. Because this concept has come as I've seen the, study, as I've seen the scriptures here. I believe that God is using Israel as a plumb line or a cornerstone for the nations of the world. Listen to this passage in Deuteronomy 32. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when He separated the sons of man, notice this now, He set the boundaries of the people according to the number of the sons of Israel. Do you get that? Do you, how many of you all believe that the Bible is the Word of God? Well, look at this statement now here. He set the boundaries of the people according to the number of the sons of Israel. In other words, the sons of Israel, Israel, is the plumb line for the placement of all the nations of the earth. Jesus is called the cornerstone of the building because he is the one everything centers around. That's what God is saying about Israel. Notice what Paul says in Acts chapter 17 verse 26. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined, notice now, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. In other words, God has set up not only the, how long a nations will be around, but also the territory that they will in, be involved with. And guess what? Israel is the plumb line for the territories of every nation in the world. Israel is a cornerstone or plumb line for this determination of who the nation, where the nations will be and how long they will last. Israel is a plumb line for that. God has left nothing in that area to human decision. He has determined where every nation should live in according with the location he has appointed for Israel. Do you get that? This is an amazing truth here. This is why 
God sees Israel as the center of the universe. Or not the universe, of the earth. Well, although the Jews will say it's of the universe. But they see Israel as the center of this earth. He has determined where every nation should fit into accord with the location of Israel. He has appointed for Israel. In other words, all other nations in a certain sense find their location with reference to Israel. Now, how all that works out, I don't know. I know the nations of the world don't like this. But that's what God said. I'm trying to show you the importance of this land that is being fought for right now in the Middle East. God says that when the people of Israel are in their land the way he wants it, then all the other nations of the world would be aligned properly. But until then, all the other nations of the world are out of kilt. That's an amazing truth, isn't it? When Israel is not in her homeland, all the other nations are somewhat out of joint. Derek Prince says this, quote, It is for the ultimate goal of all nations that Israel should be in her place. God has so arranged things that no other nations can truly find its full destiny until Israel finds her destiny. Do you see how important what's going on over there is? It only, doesn't only concern the Middle East. It concerns the entire earth. It concerns Nassau Bahamas. It concerns the Bahama Islands. There can be no peace until Israel is at peace. That's what's going on here. You see, this is why it's so important for you and for me who are not Israelites to understand what God is doing here and that they should obtain their inheritance because we are attached to that. Ultimately, the inheritance of all other nations will be determined by Israel being in her place in the land at peace. This is one reason why we should all pray for the peace of Jerusalem because not until Jerusalem enjoys peace Will the rest of the earth ever know peace? We owe our entire spiritual inheritance, not only in the past, but in the future, to one small nation called Israel. Do you know if there was no Israel, we wouldn't have this? At least the first, how many years? 39, right? We wouldn't have the scriptures. God's word is clear. He gave them his word. We wouldn't have a savior. Did you know that? Jesus is a Jew. You know that, don't you? It's very clear. The savior came to a Jewish line through Abraham. Very clear. Most of our church government that is kept according to scripture owes it to the Jew. All of our spiritual inheritance that means anything, the past, is tied to Israel. The future Peace of the world is tied to Israel. And so let me conclude by saying this. First, the events in the Middle East are proof that God is faithful to his promises. Therefore, you can trust his word. Amen? He's living up to every word he said to Israel in the past. And he's doing that right now. 
You and I can trust his word. He's always been faithful. Secondly, the events in the Middle East are a testimony to God's unfathomable grace. God should have annihilated the people of Israel a long time ago. Even, you know, he's going to do it, remember, with Moses. He was going to just wipe them off the face of the earth. He should have, from a human perspective. But it's only by his grace that Israel is still around. And it's only by God's grace that you and I are still around. It's only by God's grace that you are seated here today, listening to his word. Although some of you don't want to listen anymore, but that's by God's grace. You see, and if you have never experienced salvation through faith in Christ, God's grace is still extending to you today. And if he extends it to the people of Israel who so grossly has distorted his word and disobeyed, he surely can extend it to you and to me. The events in the Middle East are evidence that Jesus is returning soon. And so I say to you, you need not be left behind. Because God's grace has been extended. If you know, do not know Christ, you can receive him today as your personal Savior. And so I say to you again, in the words of Psalm 122.6, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And remember this, that when you do so, you are really praying for the return of Jesus Christ. For Jerusalem will not enjoy true peace until the priest, until the Prince of Peace returns. And so every time you say, Lord, let there be peace in Jerusalem, what you are saying is, come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We can have our closing hymn now as we receive the love offering for today.